Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, The Book of Philemon, Part 2. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Last week, we started our new series in Philemon titled, The Book of Philemon, Part 1, hosted on October 23rd. We first learned a little about who Philemon was. In my personal experience, he is one of the biblical unknown people of the Bible. Having resources that tell us about Philemon, I shared some of that with you. Barnes said of this letter by Paul to Philemon, It is exquisitely beautiful and delicate. It is a model of courtesy and politeness. Today, the reconciling of an offender to the one they offended can be done according to Paul writing Philemon. While courtesy and politeness are key and central to this, we noted also that it is done with so much kindness, persuasiveness, gentleness, and true affection. Has anyone ever been addressed this way when you are having difficulty or difficulties in your faith? I know plenty of people who have had difficulty resolving issues that were met by those with particularly harsh pull-up-your-boots-and-walk mentality. Where is the courtesy, politeness, kindness, persuasiveness, gentleness, and true affection as a brother and sister in such a harsh response? To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, The Book of Philemon, Part 1. Welcome to our examination of the book of Philemon, another very short book in the New Testament. I personally have never heard any examinations of this book and no cross-references ever taken from this book, which begs the question, why? This week, we will continue to look at the book of Philemon more closely. We will see that there are more people involved here than just Philemon and Onesimus. Scripture reads, From Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and co-laborer, to Aphia, our sister, to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your house. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. From Philemon, verses 1 through 3. This tells us this book is from Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, their brother. It is to Philemon, their dear friend and co-laborer, to Aphia, their sister, to Archippus, their fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in their house. Given the number of people this letter is addressed to, 
just who is it who is the main recipient of this letter? It must be Philemon, since he is the first person this letter is addressed. Notice also that Onesipus was not mentioned in the list of who this letter is addressed to. How does Onesimus fit into what Paul is writing? We'll see soon. The person to whom the epistle is directed first and eminently to Philemon, the master, and to Apphia, the mistress of the family, in which and with whom Onesimus had dwelt but was now run from. St. Paul writes to both, judging the mistress's consent necessary for taking this fugitive back into her family, as well as the masters, intimating thereby that although the husband by the ordinance and appointment of God has the highest place, the first and chief power in the government of the family, yet the wife being given him of God as an assistant and fellow helper in government, her subordinate authority given her by God is to be owned and acknowledged. Next, this epistle is directed to Archippus, who dwelt with or near Philemon. Him he calls his fellow soldier, and Philemon his fellow laborer. Where note that the ministers of the gospel are compared to soldiers. They have enemies to encounter and conflict with, Satan's temptations, the world's persecutions, sinners' corrupt lusts and affections. Let the ministers of God then reckon beforehand upon a toilsome and troublesome life. If they resolve to be faithful, the devil will plant all his artillery against them. Last of all, the epistle is directed to the church in Philemon's house, by which some understand the company of Christians that met together at his house to worship God, for Christians then had not liberty publicly to perform that duty. Others understand it of Philemon's own family, which speaks at once Philemon's privilege and duty, that he had such a well-ordered family that it was a little church, that is, it was a lively image and representation of the church, both in its doctrine and worship. From Burkett's Expository Notes Just as a reminder, women in the biblical society of the day did not do as much as women do for themselves today. Two imminent issues were the result. One, cultural and social issues of their day. Two, women were far less educated in that day as well. Keeping and tending the home was a woman's chief source of work among most of them. So, keep this in mind as we progress through this book of the Bible. Also, terms like master and slave worked in their language because of how society was then constructed and ruled, which is very much unlike it is today. Moving forward, with all the people this letter is addressed to, we need to note this. The persons to whom the epistle is directed 
first and eminently to Philemon the master. Despite Philemon not being the only addressee, he is the first and eminent addressee. Therefore, this letter's assertion is strongly toward Philemon, even though not to him alone. Commentary tells us more. St. Paul writes to both, judging the master's consent necessary for taking this fugitive back into her family, as well as the master's, intimating thereby that although the husband by the ordinance and appointment of God has the highest place, the first and chief power in the government of the family, yet the wife being given him of God as an assistant and fellow helper in government, her subordinate authority given her by God is to be owned and acknowledged. Regardless of how you think or look at this commentary passage by Burkett, the last part of the final statement says, Her subordinate authority given her by God, her subordinate authority is given to her by whom? By God. And it is to be owned and acknowledged. Women have a great degree of capability that they can use freely, regardless of what some modern Christian men think. For more on how this works, read Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 31. You will see that women were meant to do many things, and while subservient to their husband, they were never meant to be a slave or human property of him. Being subservient to a husband is nothing more than the fact he can override his wife's command in any situation. However, as time has gone on to today, many Christian men read this as a husbandry rulership, which our Bibles do not say is the definition of a woman, a wife, being subservient to their husband. Women are not a man's slave. Again, moving forward. We should note further that the ministers of the gospel are compared to soldiers. They have enemies to encounter and conflict with, Satan's temptations, the world's persecutions, sinners' corrupt lusts and affections. Let the ministers of God then reckon beforehand upon a toilsome and troublesome life. If they resolve to be faithful, the devil will plant all his artillery against them. It is a clear and plain fact that, even today, if we resolve to be faithful, the devil will plant all his artillery against us to limit, or at best, steal our victories in Christ. As some have stated these days, this is the hard downside of being a Christian in today's world. While very true today, this is a common truth that has existed ever since the first sin in the Garden of Eden. What was at work then is still at work today. The devil's playbook has not changed. How people fall from grace has not changed either. 
only the means and methods have changed with the changing of time from then to now. Things of man's creation exist now that have not necessarily existed in the past, in a different but common form. Many new things really are just a spin on something already, but previously in existence with few exceptions. Technology is not a sin. After all, things like inside bathroom plumbing, cars, and rockets had a time when they did not exist, none of which, of themselves, are sinful. Sin is a result of mankind's action or inactions and not things they act with or interact with. Inaction can also be sinful, while not necessarily something to avoid altogether. There are appropriate times for inaction. We should also note from Burkett, Philemon's privilege and duty that he had such a well-ordered family, that it was a little church, that is, it was a lively image and representation of the church, both in its doctrine and worship. Notice what is said of Philemon's home church. It was a lively image and representation of the church, both in its doctrine and worship. The implication, at the very least, is that Philemon's home church was a lively image and representation of the greater church body, either locally or around the known world of the day. This statement to mean either or both. Regardless of its implied size, Philemon's home church, a lively image and representation of the church, both in its doctrine and worship. Is this the case with the modern churches of today? I think if the answer to that question was yes, things, at the very least in America, would be greatly different than they are now. More people would be in a church than wondering where such a church actually exists today. Paul opens his letter to Philemon with a salutation, or today what we call a greeting. He then gives thanks for Philemon's love and faith. Philemon's love and faith had to be of reasonable note for Paul to thank Philemon for his love and faith. Paul writes further, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. I pray that the faith you share with us may deepen in your understanding of every blessing that belongs to you in Christ. I have had great joy and encouragement because of your love, for the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you, brother. Our apostle's holy insinuation and pious wisdom that he might make a more easy way for his petition, he labors to possess Philemon with an opinion of his endeared affection towards him and of his continual prayers, even by name for him. I thank my God, making mention of thee in my prayers. Where note that St. Paul did, and we may, make particular mention of persons and churches in our daily prayers to Almighty God. I make mention of you always in my prayers. From 
Burkitt's Expository Notes. Notice the last portion of Burkitt's Expository Notes. We may make a particular mention of persons and churches in our daily prayers to Almighty God. Today, this should not need mention. However, given where we are today, I think it needs to be said. Until we pray for people and churches, we will continue to see the decline we see today. The one caveat in this thinking is the fact we are clearly in the last days. That means the decline of the church may happen regardless of whether we pray or how we pray. That, however, is no excuse for not praying for people in the churches we know of, no matter where we live. Our apostle, having discovered to Philemon his fervent prayers for him, next makes mention of the excellent graces which were so orient and shining in him, namely, his faith and his love. His faith in Christ produced love to him and all his saints, not to a party of Christians only. Hearing of thy love and faith towards the Lord Jesus and in him towards all the saints. The saints are to be loved next to Christ and in and for Christ. Observe next. St. Paul prays that Philemon's faith and love might be made manifest to be effectual for producing all sorts of good fruits in him and by him, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. There are two things of specific note here. One, the saints are to be loved next to Christ and in and for Christ. I think that says it all right there without further breakdown for clarity. Two, St. Paul prays that Philemon's faith and love might be made manifest to be effectual for producing all sorts of good fruits in him and by him, that the communication of your faith may become effectual. Specifically, note, St. Paul prays that Philemon's faith and love might be made manifest to be effectual for producing all sorts of good fruits in him and by him. Especially today, this should be the charge of every brother and sister in Christ. We should pray for our known brothers and sisters in Christ that their faith and love might be made manifest, so they can be effectual in their spiritual charge and endeavors, so they produce all sorts of good fruits in themselves and by themselves. That last statement demonstrates how we work independently, yet we all work together also. While we can be independent in our daily works for Christ, we also, very much, need each other so we do not spiral down into a spiritual abyss. Next week, we will continue our examination of Philemon. Like Titus, it is a short single chapter, 
25 verses long. We will see what else we can learn from the book of Philemon. Join us next week for our next episode titled The Book of Philemon, Part 3. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched. Currently, an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. Thank you all so much. God bless you all. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site123.me. At present, we are located on a growing number of podcast sites. So... You should be able to find us on a platform you like. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Now, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.